When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. December 8th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the winter meetings were supposed to be going on today. You were supposed to be in a much, uh, much warmer climate, I guess, uh, enjoying yourself in the hotel lobby there, getting to talk to rub elbows with all the other reporters and, uh, and dignitaries, but uh, I guess it's all virtual now, but it hasn't stopped any, any trades from going on. We just saw Lance Lynn and Rizal Iglesias uh, both get traded. Uh, what's the latest here, uh, I, I guess, from the virtual side of the winter meetings as uh, things continue with, uh, with Major League Baseball in the offseason? Yeah, Joe, it's, uh, it's surprising. I mean, in, in most uh, winter meetings, at least, you know, the last 10, 10 years or so, two trades would, would carry you through the whole week. You know, most of the, most of the time, most of uh, – the, the meetings now, at least in, in my opinion, are, are kind of consumed by free agent signings, rumors. You know, there's always rumors, but the trades usually don't take place, you know, un, uh, you know sometimes the trades take place before the meetings and sometimes, you know, the groundwork is laid in the meetings and then they take place after the meetings. But, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the meetings are kind of almost, you know, they become uh, – a free agent signing period. You know, we saw what Cole, um, a bunch of big, big name signings last year in San Diego, like Scott Burroughs had three guys making, you know, like a billion dollars, whatever it was. Right. But, uh, but the trades have, are kind of far, far and, you know, kind of few and far between during the actual meetings. Right. As, as sort of those deals get made and, and talked about in the, in the suites, and then they sort of shake on it and, and go their separate ways and say, maybe we'll hook up later. Uh, that's how we saw the Corey Kluber trade came out, you know, a couple of weeks after the winter meetings last year. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, too hard to imagine that uh, that trade was sort of, at least the groundwork was laid there at the winter meetings before things happened uh, later on down the line. Uh, what does this do to the Francisco Lindor trade market without having these sort of in-person face-to-face meetings, is that an advantage or a disadvantage for the Indians? You know, I don't think it's, I, I just think it's, it's the same kind of thing, Joe. I really do. Uh, you know, there's been talk, you know, you, you talk to some general managers and, you know, you know, directors of baseball operations, you know, the winter meetings are kind of antiquated, you know, they, you know, they're, they're nice for everybody to get together and, you know, see old friends, but, you know, you can conduct business like you do all year round. You text, phone calls, uh, Zoom calls, you know, you can get things done. If you, if you want to get something done, um, you know, you can get it done. But the, the, the winter meetings are more kind of a traditional base thing than, uh, than any really as, as far as, uh, 
as far as an an ignition to a to a deal. You know, I right. think you know it's, it's not it's not critical. So so what you're saying here, your official position is the Indians' uh, uh, return for a Francisco Lindor trade won't be impacted by uh, not being able to meet face to face. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they could get uh, an extra prospect or an extra guy out of uh, out of something. Who knows? It, it, it we'll never know because there won't be a, a, an in person meeting this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, Joe, they've been trying to trade Lindo for two years. So they've been working <laughs> on it, right? Yeah, they, you know, they, they've got. I, I, I would bet that they've got A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, those all those deals in place and it's just depending what they, what they can add to it or, you know, how they can tweak it this way or that way. I mean, they know who the players are and uh, you know, it's just a matter of timing now, I think. Yeah. We, what we need to do is get a, a screenshot of the, the, the dry erase board in Chris Antony's uh, <laughs> uh, home office, I guess. Uh, somebody needs to, to leave the door open like they did at the Browns facility a couple of years back. Uh, okay, the latest Lindor rumor that we heard was uh, Lindor to Toronto, uh, that being reported on uh, MLB Network uh, this morning as a, as, a, as a possibility. Ross Atkins, uh, who was the farm director and assistant GM in Cleveland, uh, is in Toronto with Mark Shapiro, uh, very familiar with the Indians in the organization and with Frankie himself. Uh, Lindor to Toronto, is that a fit? I think it's a fit. Yeah, I think it'd be a good fit. I, I don't know. Is it a long-term fit? That's the question. Uh, is it, you know, one year? Definitely that would work. Uh, I would think it would, you know, the Blue Jays would, would really want to take a big look, a good look at, at Lindor, make a good run at him to try to get him a long-term deal. Um, you know, it, you know the, you, people forget, you know, that, that's one team in, a, in an entire country. You know, your fan base is an entire country. You know, you got the Rogers uh, Broadcasting uh, Corporation behind you. So they've got money to spend. I mean, even in, coming out of the pandemic, even in <laughs> playing half their game or most of their games in Buffalo this past season, you know, they, they've got the money to, to get Lindor, and he would, he would certainly be a focal point of that team if, if they did it. When you think about it, their money's worth more than ours. So I, I, I guess uh, with the exchange rate, uh, as far as, you know, what the Indians could get in a return, uh, I, the rumors that are out there, they would want uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, and and as, as a piece there, he's a versatile guy, can play the infield, can play the outfield. Uh, sort of like the kind of guy that, uh, that, that Terry Francona, you know, really sort of covets is the, you know, uh, a, a versatile offensive player who, you know, can hit for power and hit for average. Yeah, he would definitely help them in the outfield. I mean, they are going to – they have to improve their offense. You know, they, they know that. Uh, I think, you know, any, any people – any, uh, you know, any players coming, in, coming back in a, uh, in a Lindor deal, you're going to have to get some offensive help. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, on, on the younger side or, uh, you know, an established big league player – I think it's going to be a mix, and you know I think it depends if if they don't think they if the team getting Lindor doesn't think they can you know extend them, uh, you know the return is probably not going to be as well. I, I don't think I, I just don't think the return is going to be what people think it is. It's not going to be a bonanza, Joe, because he's got one year left. Yeah, think more along the lines of uh, Corey Kluber return in rather than uh, Bartolo Colon return. 
uh, if you're if you're an Indians fan, if I could put it in perspective that way. Uh, and, and what you said is true about you know the, the the diminished value of what the Indians could get, just because uh, Lindor has has said it 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 really does look like he intends to go to free agency no matter where he uh, ends up playing in 2021. By 2022, he's going to test the waters of free agency. I don't think you can lock him up to a an extension or a long-term deal uh, if you're the team that does acquire him in an off-season trade now. Uh, I think he fully intends to hit 2022 uh, on the open market and see how big a contract he can get. Yeah, and, you know, he's got Mookie Betts sitting out there. You know, you've got that scenario. He could, you know, look at that and is that, you know, is that enough? What, what Mookie gets, 300 60 or 320, some crazy number. Yeah, and, and 10 year, you're talking you yeah. know, 10 year deal. So that's, you know, whoever trades for him is probably going to have to do a, a good bit of convincing that, uh, you know, there's not going to be a better deal out there, which in the economy with the, with the pandemic, who, who knows? But the yeah. top guys are going to get their money. Right. And, but what you said is, is uh, correct. I think he's been shooting for free agency. I think his agent has been shooting for free agency. They want to set the market. Uh, And he's, I think he's going to get his chance, you know, but you can, you can, you can always have your mind changed, I guess. All right. Uh, Just jumping back to uh, our conversation about the, the trades that did happen uh, this week so far uh, late last night, the, uh, White Sox acquiring Lance Lynn, who has, I believe, a, a three and one record lifetime and a sub two ERA against the Indians uh, in, in head-to-head matchups. Uh, so really, a guy that that gives gives the Indians problems when he faces them. Uh, he now joins Dallas Keuchel, uh, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease uh, in the Chicago rotation. Uh, they could get Michael Kopech back, who's a, a big kid who throws hard, who had arm surgery. Uh, there's a potential that he could be back next year. Uh, does the White Sox rotation now uh, rival or exceed that of the Indians in 2021? Uh, great question, Joe. That, you know, the balance of power in this division in the AL Central keeps shifting. We saw it with the, the, the Twins. Now we're seeing it with the, uh, the White Sox. You know, the Indians, obviously, you know, the White Sox and the Indians finished tied for second place last year in the division. The Indians went eight and two against uh, the White Sox. Uh, their big advantage, I think, is is and was and is starting pitching. Uh, but you know, the addition of uh, Lance Lynn, you know, kind of evens the playing field on the mound. You know, Lynn is going with Tony Larusa. Larusa had him in St. Louis, so you know that's another fit. So you know, he's only on a one-year deal, obviously, but you know, with the way. You know, when you look at those two clubs, you know, if, if the pitching is equal, the Indians are going to be coming out on short end offensively because the White Sox, you know, finished second in the American League and run scored. The Indians finished 13th and the Indian, you know, so in the Indian and that core of young hitters with the White Sox is getting better. And the Indians core of hitters is kind of fading away there. I mean, right. Yeah, that's uh... Hernandez are gone. Yeah, that that Chicago lineup now just it reminds you of the, you know, the '95 Indians one through nine who could all hit. That, that's they 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 have an ability there to really dominate offensively. So uh, 
you know, I, I, they, they might still have questions in their bullpen, but if they can shore up their starting rotation with Lance Lynn, uh, I think that's who knows. And, and you've got, you've got Tony LaRussa, uh, you know, running the show there. Uh, how do you think that's going to work for the, the White Sox with, with LaRussa in charge and this, like you said, young lineup of, of good hitters who were improving and this old school manager? Yeah, I mean, and you know, Larusa has the uh, DUI hanging over his head. Uh, they had they announced a schedule for all the managers, you know, to you know, Zoom calls during this week. I guess he was the only guy not listed, and they said when his legal problems are done, or if that gets settled, he he will he will talk to uh, the media. So, you know, so I you know I think you know. I, you know, I, I remember something. Uh, this is I'm going way back here. Uh, you know, I, when I covered the Browns, Sam and Sam Reticliano was a coach, and he was asked once, you know, how uh, Vince Lombardi would handle the modern player. Uh, you know, this was a modern player was in 1980 or 85 when I was covering the Indians. I mean, the Browns, and he said, "Great coaches adjust," and I, you know, I, I think. I think we'll see Larusa adjust. I, I would, you know, this is a, a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, he's what won two, three World Series. I think he he will find a way to adjust. And if he, if not, I don't think he's going to be around there long. I, I don't think, you know, I know they're really close, Jerry Reinsdorf and him. But if if you screw that team up, you know, you know, <laughs> that's a bad that's a bad way to end a career right there. Right, exactly, and especially with the, you know if they had a chance to get a, a guy like an AJ Hinch before he went to Detroit, I mean, if that was a possibility and, and they went for Larusa instead, uh, that that's just a bad look in Chicago right now, but uh, who knows that that could all change. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of the winter meetings, uh, the Thursday's rule five draft is coming up. Uh, the Indians have three open spots on their roster. Uh, there's a, you know, potential that a couple of guys, from the organization, including a couple of uh, former high draft picks, could uh, be taken by other teams. What do you think uh, the chances are the Indians make a move in relation to the Rule Five draft? Well, I think you know they're they're considering it. You know they they're 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 like you said the forty man rosters at thirty seven. Uh, Rule Five is Thursday. Um, it's kind of a you know if if you have a guy that you really like, it's a cheap way to to get a you know a quality player if you. If you're convinced he can stick, if you can carry him the whole season on your on your 25 or 26 man roster, the Indians haven't done it in in um, the Indians have taken guys, but none of them have really stuck. You know, Colby Milner in 2016, a lefty from the Phillies, was the last Rule Five guy they took, and they ended up returning him. Uh, so, but you know, and I think you know mostly they've lost guys like right. Anthony Santander, and uh, you know they lost Kelly Gruber a long time ago. They, uh, you know, so they mostly they you know they they lose players, and sometimes they get them back, sometimes they don't. You know, the teams return them, but you know T.J. McFarland, it was a lefty that they lost to the Orioles, and he's still pitching in the big leagues. Right. So, you know, and I think that's a product of them having a good farm system and having a lineup that is usually set, you know, but this lineup is not set. So I guess the possibility is, is there for them to, uh, you know, pick, pick a guy or take a, take a selection, spend a hundred grand. Uh, but you know, one, one other thing working against that is they don't draft until the 24th pick. Right. So, 
perhaps you know the good you know the good guys the good players the good prospects that were unprotected are gone by then right uh want to move on to uh this afternoon the uh hank aaron award will be announced on mlb network uh, jose ramirez one of seven american league finalists along with jose abreu mike trout uh and a couple other guys uh DJ LeMayhew, Nelson Cruz, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, among the finalists there in the American League. Uh, could Jose Ramirez become the first Indians uh, Hank Aaron Award winner since Manny Ramirez in 1999? Yeah, I, I think he's got as good a chance as anybody. You know, probably, I guess, Abreu would be the favorite. He, he won the MVP, and Jose finished second to uh, Abreu. But... Uh, you know, he certainly, he certainly swings a bat. I don't know if he swings a bat like Hammer and Hank, but uh, he, uh, he, 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 you know, he's been, what, MVP finalist three of the last four years, and he, you don't, he can't get much better than that. If you adjust it for height, maybe he, he swings it like yeah. Hammer and Hank. You know, I take a little off there. But, but yeah, I, you know, just his, his chances, I, I think, are, are hurt by the fact that Abreu won the MVP ahead of him. I think that might be. Uh, the way the vote goes there. But you've got guys like uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Robin Yount, uh, Hank Aaron himself are on the uh, players' side voting uh, for the award, as well as there's a fan vote component uh, that's factored in as well. So uh, who knows? We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, wanted to mention uh, the passing of Dick Allen, uh, a former Amer American League uh, MVP, former National League Rookie of the Year, play with the Phillies and the White Sox. Uh, and this is a guy who was a contemporary of Hank Aaron, actually. And uh, for a, a good 12-year stretch there, a 15-year career, but there's a good 12-year stretch there where he was uh, among one of the, the, the best overall power hitters in, uh, in the, the 60s and 70s. Uh, his, his OPS was just as good as, as Hammer and Hank's for a, a good stretch there. Yeah, definitely. Used a 40-ounce bat, Joe. Oh. That would be a <laughs> 40-ounce bat. Can you believe that? Wow. And he wore – and he, I think he had – he wore Nolan Ryan out. Had great, great numbers against Nolan Ryan. Uh, came up with the Phillies. He was called Richie. He hated being called Richie Allen. It took a long time for people to accept that he wanted to be called Dick Allen. Uh, kind of a controversial guy, controversial figure. Philly fans loved loved him and they hated him at the same time. He he wore a batting helmet out when he played defense when he played first base because people would throw batteries at him at, in in his home park and he would write he would write messages to the fans in in dirt in the dirt by first base like boo and some I think that was mild probably for right. <laughs> and you know he won the AL MVP when he went to the White Sox. Um, he had the, he was uh, a horse racing fan. He or, mm -hmm. owned horse races, horse, you know, race horses. And, um, this quote always stuck in my mind. He was, he was asked about, uh, you know, playing on artificial turf. And uh, his response was, if horse, if a horse doesn't eat it, I don't want to play on it. So <laughs> I thought, I, always, I love that quote. So <laughs> that's that great. Was, well, yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, just the, the chan the really shocking thing was that he really never uh, got a, a real good uh, look for the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think he even got 20% of the vote 
uh, when he was eligible. So, so really, uh, the, maybe the, the, the Veterans Committee or the Modern Day Committee uh, that, that is meeting uh, soon, shortly, actually, uh, could, cor could correct that with him posthumously and put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he, the last time he was on it, Joe, he missed by a vote. And uh, so I would think he's got a great chance of getting in now. And unfortunately for him and his family, you know, he's, he's passed. And, uh, you know, that's the tough thing about uh, the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, being on the ballot. I think he was on the BBWA ballot for 14 years, 14, wow. 15 years. And uh, he, the writers didn't put him, didn't, you know, vote him in. And then you go to the, uh, the Veterans Committee and that, you know, it's kind of, there's been, there's three different committees now, you know, offshoots of the veteran committee. So, you know, and that's on a, like a two year cycle. So, you know, you've kind of, you've kind of got to wait your turn. And unfortunately for, for Dick, you know, he just, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out for him. His timing was bad. Right. Uh, also uh, this week on Wednesday, the all MLB first team and second team will be announced. Uh, Shane Bieber, Brad Hand and Jose Ramirez are finalists at their respective positions there. Uh, Got to think Bieber is a lock uh, to be one of the five starting pitchers chosen. Uh, Ramirez would be, uh, you know, sort of the, the one that you would, would think uh, would have the toughest chance in terms of, or, or, you know, a competitive chance in terms of beating out Manny Machado and Justin Turner at third base. Uh, Brad Hand is a nominee among uh four or five relievers, uh, uh, there two will be chosen. I uh, got to think, uh, um, you know, Devin Williams, uh, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks would be guys that uh, would be at the top of that list. But the Ramirez uh, uh, Machado, uh, you know, competition at third base uh, could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously um, Jose had the great finishing kick probably, you know, led the Indians into the postseason. You know, defensively, I don't know if he's, you know, him and Machado, I, I don't know what the defensive metrics say, who's, you know, who's got the edge there. But, uh, you know, Machado, you know, had, wasn't, was so-so his first year in San Diego, but he's had a really, you know, really, he had a, he's coming off a decent year this year. So, you know, it's going to be a, a, a toss-up. I saw guys, you know, getting their votes on MLB uh, Network. Uh, it's kind of a split, split to sit, split camp, you know, with uh, some went with the Ramirez, some went with Machado. All right. I uh, just wanted to mention uh, really quickly, the uh, J.G. Taylor Spink Award was announced today. Uh, Dick Cagle from Kansas City is the uh, latest recipient. He will go in uh, to the Hall of Fame uh, along uh, with Nick Cafardo, who, who was uh, the winner last year uh, posthumously. And uh, th that what the induction didn't happen because of the pandemic. So both of them will go in at the same time this summer. Uh, just your thoughts on Dick Cagle and, uh, and getting the award, uh, the highest award that uh, a baseball writer can get, uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely. Very well deserving. I know Dick well. Uh, he's going in with my other buddy, uh, Nick Cafardo from the Boston Globe, the late Nick Cafardo, unfortunately. Uh, so they're both going in this year. Uh, you know, Cagle, um, you know, covered the Cardinals, covered the, the, the Royals, was the editor of, uh, you know, the Sporting News when it was still the Bible of baseball. And uh, in, I think in 2011, Joe, 
he uh, underwent uh, liver transplant surgery, mm -hmm. you know, serious surgery. He almost died. He came back and uh, the next year, I believe, he covered every Royals game, you know, on the road and at home, uh, just as, you know, kind of a, um, you know, just to, uh, for an organ, the organ transplant, you know, just to show, you know, as a, as a uh, I guess, a drive to, to raise right. funds for an organ like, transplant. Like an awareness thing, something, something yeah, like that. Yeah, an awareness, yeah, definitely. So, he, you know, and he was like 71 when he did that. So that, wow. that's, that's quite a, quite a, uh, an accomplishment. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, they'll be etching uh, Paul Hoyne's name on that plaque uh, one of these days, or I'm 100% uh, convinced of that as well. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, Dick Cagle and uh, the award uh, when it's announced or when, it's, when he's inducted later on this summer at, at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. All right, Paul, uh, we will keep an eye on the uh, all MLB awards on Thursday. Keep monitoring for uh, trades and, and ongoing uh, rumors and whatnot uh, from these virtual winter meetings as they, as they continue. And we'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe. Great talking to you.